Okay. So today we're going to do stage five and stage six of the um, of this kind of stages of the afterlife that we've been talking about. So stage five, we're going to call passing through a tunnel. Remember, these are not linear stages. They're just various stages that happen as the soul transitions from this world to the next. Or we don't say the next world, but as the soul continues its journey through um, various dimensions. So the passing a tunnel. The the tunnel, according to uh, those who have experienced NDEs, near-death experiences, the tunnel is the next step in the near-death experience. A tunnel, or as some see it, a gate. Others have said they've seen a bridge. Is a symbolic image of transition. It's a metaphor for a state of passage demonstrating the soul moving from one state of being into another. The the tunnel itself is something like an intermediary, like an intermediary stage that connects two very different fields of reality. The there are sources that speak of the tunnel of the Machpelah. The the Machpelah is the burial site in Hebron, where Adam and Eve are, where Abraham and Sarah are, where uh, 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 Isaac and Rebecca are, and where Yaakov and Leah are. And so there's in in the in this in this tomb of the patriarchs, which is called the Ma'aret HaMachpelah, um, there is this liminal or transitional space. This is what the Zohar talks about. It talks about this tunnel there. That after the soul passes from this world, it journeys through the cave of Machpelah, and, and route to a higher realm of existence. For, for many people who are aware of this, when they go to Israel, though people say that the Western Wall is the holiest place for the Jewish people in the world, it's the number one holy site, as the media likes to say, it's not necessarily true. There is a truth to it, but also not a truth to it. The Western Wall is the closest place that we, thank God that we're able to go to Jerusalem today, that we are able to get to where the Holy Temple stood in Jerusalem. The Western Wall itself is not holy. It's a, a, a retaining wall that was built by Herod. But it happens to be the proximity to the where the temple stood, which was the holiest place for Jews. Makes it holy. But it's only holy by the fact that we can't actually, according to Jewish law, because we are impure 
and because um, we have come in contact with um, uh, th uh, things that are impure, like a dead body and other things that are impure, and we have not properly purified ourselves, we cannot go onto the Temple Mount. So because we can't go to the place where the Holy Temple stood, and that's the closest place we can go to, that becomes holy for us. But the actual holiest place in Judaism is in Hebron, which is very, very hard to get to for those of you who uh, who have ever been there. Uh, and the cave of the Machpelah is the holiest place in Judaism. It's, a, it's an amazing place. Any opportunity I've had, I've been there quite a few times. Any opportunity I have to be able to pray there, to be able to spend time there, that is truly the, the holiest place that we can actually step foot into in Judaism. And we believe, according to the Zohar and according to Kabbalah, that every single soul that passes from this world goes through this cave en route to a higher realm of existence. Yes, please, Cheryl. Of course, I always have a question because you give us so much information at one time. So if the cave of Machpelah is the holiest place and you're allowed to go there, why are you allowed to go there but you can't go to the tomb unless you're purified. No, you can't go to the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount, I'm sorry. Because, because the Jewish law um, requires that one be purified when in that space, that space was a unique, a unique space that was uh, for, it was the house of God. We can talk, if, understanding, and one day we'll do a deep dive into the laws of the Holy Temple and and what it was like for the kohanim for the priests that were that would work in the temple and what it was like for an average person who wanted to go to the temple most people during the temple's existence would go three times a year during the festivals it was called a lealaregel they would ascend and that's why most of the jewish people lived within only a few day walk at most from the temple because... that wasn't my question though cuz you said now that the cave of machpelah is the holiest place. The holiest so, place that you can walk into. So the cave itself... Oh, that you can walk into. That okay. can walk into. I, I yeah. got it. Yeah. Okay. That was sorry, it. Sorry if I didn't explain it properly. No. I appreciate the question. Julianne, please. Uh, thank you. I've got two. Um, one is, there's a prophecy that the Western Wall will never be in ruins in, in, in recognition of it being built by the poor. Um, so if it's only Herod's, doesn't that invalidate the prophecy? Because uh... okay, you're you're asking. Uh, I don't want to get into to everything okay. right now, but hold that hold that question for a time that we'll have an opportunity to to dig. Okay, yeah, and... it, it definitely uh, is a, a question that's beyond the scope of our of, okay. of our class here. And the, the second one is the cave of Machpelah for the, all the souls to go there. I'm assuming that means the non-Jewish souls as well. And uh, my first thought was, uh, well, they don't have a genetic connection to Abraham, but then they would have a genetic connection to Adam and Eve also buried there. That's correct. So is that, is that, is that why? That would make sense. 
It, it, it definitely uh, it, it makes sense. I don't know. The Zohar doesn't specify. Ah. So, but the, but but the fact I've thought about that, and the fact that Adam and Eve are there, and Adam and Eve are the first humans, that makes sense that everyone would have a connection to it. So, I, I would follow your thinking, Julian. Oh, thank you. So let's go on to stage six. Stage six is one that I think will be very comforting for a lot of people here. Um, as we go through this process, we're going to call it encountering loved ones. In stage six, again, not linear, but one of the stages, we may encounter family members and friends that have passed away as their ethereal entities. The way that the NDEs have described it as a glowing, glowing and a radiant light. Angelic figures may also make an appearance in the stage. The esoteric teachings, the Kabbalah, speaks of close relatives, of friends, and occasionally teachers who come and accompany the soul to the place of eternal rest. They serve as kind of a guide to initiate the soul into the universe of bodiless consciousness. The Zohar says that husbands and wives find each other here in the afterlife during that during the stage. And generally families reunite and travel together to Gan Eden, to paradise. And it goes without saying that there is an immense spiritual excitement in heaven when souls realize that their beloved ones are about to rejoin them. The, there's a, a fascinating uh, piece of Talmud that we, that in our Talmud class, we studied this not long ago. And the Talmud says that celebrated historical figures come to greet the souls who had a special connection with them. The story that the Talmud tells is of the great sage Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He was a fascinating, really a great leader of the Jewish people during a very difficult time in Jewish history. And he was about to pass away. And he said, prepare a seat for Hizkiah, for Zadokiah, the king of Judah, who has come to welcome me. And so he obviously had a very strong connection, the Talmud says, with Zadokiah, with Hizkiah. And as a result, there was this great figure was preparing a seat for the great Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. According to other traditional texts, like the Midrash, one of the people the soul perceives during the dying process is Adam, which goes to Julianne's question from before. Adam is called the primordial human being. And Adam is also the root of all souls and the genetic source of all mankind. And so therefore, there, each soul that is in this world will have a direct connection with Adam 
and with Eve as well. Interestingly, throughout the Torah, in various places where it describes a person's passing, it says the person has gone on or is gathered unto their ancestors. They've gone on or they're gathered unto their ancestors. I would suggest that this means that maybe, maybe it's suggesting and alluding to this spiritual reunification and this connection. During this, we also said that um, angelic beings or, or what are called in Kabbalah light entities are another phenomenon that are often spoken of at this stage. The appearance of or the reference to angels are found throughout the entire body of the Torah. There are archangels, there are sub-angels, there are angels that were created in the beginning of time, and there are angels that are continuously being brought into existence throughout time. There are angels that were created before Adam was created, before man was created. And there are angels that humans create. For example, in our prayers, the, there's a beautiful book called Tomer Devorah. And in this book, it talks about how each one of our prayers creates an angel. And that angel's job is to take the prayer on high. And to storm the heavens with that prayer. And so we could see the spiritual ramifications of actually praying. <clears throat> Angels generally, according to Maimonides, he writes this in his Guide to the Perplexed, Moren Nevuchim. He says, angels are messengers and transmitters of energy. An angel is a spiritual conduit, a qualitative reality that receives divine plenty from one realm and transmits it to another, and vice versa. Angels are the channels through which divine energy flows upwards and flows downwards, through which divine energy ascends and descends. Essentially, every force of creation is a kind of angel. Being lodged in a four-dimensional universe the world apprehended through the five constricting senses that we are unable to perceive that which operates on another wavelength or on another frequency. An angel may embody and project itself 
to a human being in a human-like form. <clears throat> or for that matter, it's possible that an angel can assume what is called a malbush, which means an ethereal type of body. So that the person in this world is able to recognize and identify their presence. But it's important to note that these are only assumed forms and the true and inner essence of the angelic reality cannot be distinguished or detected by any physical instrument or any operative system. Angelic and physical realities, they, they function in two dissimilar wavelengths. They're, they're, they have polarized organizational principles and functional rules and where there are classic opinions that speak of angels as, let's say, a refined version of fire, which is a very nice way of putting it, but there are also those that confirm that angels are comprised of, let's say, distilled fire and wind. And there are others who speak of angels existing within any of the four basic elements. The four basic elements meaning fire, wind, water, and earth. But majority of the opinions view angels as divested from this material world. But all the opinions agree that angelic properties, if they actually have any, are radically different from anything that is experienced in the four-dimensional universe. And so for lack of any better way to describe it, the finest, the most uh, sensitive way to describe or picture the indescribable essence of an angel is as a pillar of light. Light being the one property that as that that is in fact physically detectable while at the same time it's physically ungraspable so it's both observable and intangible and it serves as the best metaphor for an angel because that's exactly what an angel is observable and intangible after a person passes from this world the soul is welcomed and joined by angels. In fact, there are two or three angels that travel with us throughout our life. They are what we generally call guardian angels. The angels that walk with and beside us wherever we go. It is these spiritual manifestations that chronicle and retain the records of our life, including all of our actions, our thoughts, our words, and our experiences. Everything we do during our lifetime, everything we think, and everything we feel creates an energy 
that it, that it, that assumes an objective reality. And that force itself is an accurate imprint of our life and of our actions. These angelic figures are replicated, spiritual images of the totality of who we are. So much so that they are shaped like us. And they even speak in the same tonality and voice as us. So, if I haven't scared you enough, the cosmic effect of every thought, the cosmic effect of every action, of every experience, is that it gives rise to an angelic energy. Physical, tangible actions influence physicality and inspire a material transformation of such energy. While the intention, the focus, and the emotions that are involved in the act create a spiritual objective force, a pure angelic creation. The force that empowered the act becomes an entity unto itself. And that energy is then shaped in the form of that action. Angels that are brought into being through passive actions, through passive actions that are performed with complete mindfulness, with complete fervor and and passion, are perfected energies. And they're imbued with passion. They're imbued with purpose. While an angel created through half-hearted, mindless actions are imperfect, they're incomplete, and maybe they're disfigured. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. The system is reciprocal. Positive actions inspire and create positive forces. Negative actions create negative vibrations. The system is reciprocal. The completeness and the wholesomeness of the angelic figure depends on the 
level of intellectual and emotional awareness and involvement of the person when they perform the action. Being fully present produces a fully developed angel. While half-hearted actions create disfigured and disjointed ones. Being present, being mindful, being connected, being here is such an important part of living in this world. Now, whereas light is the metaphor for an angel, it can also be the way to illustrate and to allude to our higher self. So just as angels are identified with light, so are souls. There's a beautiful <clears throat> a beautiful uh, uh, line in Proverbs. King Solomon says, a candle of God is the soul of man. That encountering light may be the most accessible way to depict experiencing a revelation and a manifestation of one's own higher and inner self. Every human being has an individual advocate above. Every human being has an angelic force that guides them. The image of a person below is just a mirror reflection of the angelic image above. In other words, our own inner image and that of our angel are one and the same. <clears throat> our own inner image and that of our inner angel are one and the same. To the person dying, to the person who's passing from this world, radiant light is most often the metaphor employed to express what it feels like, to experience the full articulation of the soul, unhindered, unrestricted by the physical body. Rabbi, can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. So you said we all have guardian angels in with us. Yes. And our thoughts and actions affect the energy around us is that are those thoughts and actions affecting the guardian angels like the the ones that are near us or are we just creating all of these new entities by our thoughts to reinforce what we're doing and saying so so there's two answers to that they are affecting uh both uh, the 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 guardian angel that is near us and those that are around us that are created so it creates and also our guardian angel is affected but yes we we by through our intentions through our feelings through our um mindful experiences we are going to create wholesome angelic figures and so we not can being mindful we can create half So we can corrupt these these beings, basically. Yes, they don't like, have any free choice. Only we do. They don't have free choice, but I thought they had this like, for want better, like this angelic energy to them. That is that based on us. It's based on us. So 
There's a fantastic story about <sighs> when God wanted to give the Torah, the angels put up a big fight. Yeah. A beautiful story in the Talmud. <clears throat> how when Moses came to heaven to get the Torah, the angels said that they um they they don't want to let the Torah go down because they knew that this was going to happen. Right. That they would have to wait for us in order for them to be able to pray. Think about that. The angels have to wait for us to pray. Yeah. In order for them to pray. Man, this is a lot of pressure. <laughs> okay. Alessandra, please. So, someone who's angry, mm. they have a storm around them, uh -huh. which makes them, which builds on their anger. And, and so it's a cycle that can never be stopped. No, just don't be angry. Unless, unless the person decides willingly to make a change in their life. Correct. Poor people. And then I'll ask a stupid question. But if you have divorced somebody on, on earth, will you still meet them among your friends, peers, family, teachers, or you read of them? <laughs> because um, so on a actual level, um, on, on, on the on the physical in the in the way that we understand them. As humans, no, but you, but your angelic figures or your guardian angels may meet them. Uh, may your positive actions with them may meet their positive actions with them. So, you, you, you always, um, you always share something with them. Um, so you, the the good, and and what the two of you accomplish together in this world will always meet each other. Yes, you can't, you can't, you you can't separate completely thank you but on on in the way that we understand this world that divorce also creates a spiritual separation thank you julianne uh, thank you do we create demons as well and if so are they when our thoughts or actions and the other things are negative we can create um, negative spirits, ne negative vibrations, but not demons. Demons are, are not created by us. Oh. Which means we can't create a negative force that has that is a black hole, that has no way of, of becoming positive. The reason why is because through our actions, through our intentions, through what we do, we can turn those negative vibrations into virtues. We always have the ability, what we call teshuva, to change. And through our change, we actually can, when we change, we also change those angels. Oh, so that's why you use the word incomplete. That's the right. The angel is incomplete. That's but it can be, be completed. That's right. So we we can't create an angel that's evil that can't be changed. We can only create an angel that is negative. It's a negative vibration. It's not evil. It's a negative vibration that could be changed through our actions and through us doing what we call teshuva. Wow. Thank you very much. I really like what you've said. 
You're welcome. Marianne. Yeah, uh, when you're talking about the good angels and the experiences of life, I'm wondering if the garden, uh, the good garden angel, is isn't it a sum, um, a resume of um, of what I would call wisdom, the all experiences in life. Yeah, I mean the, the the intellect is very much part of that. The emotions as well, but more the intellect. So yes, I mean there, there's different ways of of putting it. So if if you're absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, these are all different different words that are used to describe the same experience. Okay. Good. Thank you. Merci. Unfortunately, our language is always going to be limited, no matter what language we speak. It's going to be limited compared to the language of spirituality. So, of course, we have to use whatever we can within the confines of our language. But yes, thank you. Kelsey. Okay, so... My question kind of has to do with Julian just asked. Um, so if we create these negative energies, um, do people carry those with them into like the cleansing process? And that can be perceived as <clears throat> hell. Um, the reason why I ask is I saw a title for a podcast this week uh, about a soldier who died and went to hell and came back. And so... I'm just kind of curious about that. You know, if we can kind of create I, our own. Right. Hell within Judaism is not just this kind of linear experience, but what without going into to an, another class completely, what I'll say to you is that the best thing that we can do during our lifetime is to um, complete those incomplete angels by doing teshuva by changing and by turning those um, negative vibrations into virtues. Every bit of that work that we do during our lifetime is worth myriads of work in the afterlife. Okay. So there's a lot more to it, but the the main gist that I that I'd like you to come out at least if I can do this in 30 seconds or less, is that we have the power to create and we also have the power to change. Right. Okay. I mean, I just was kind of curious if you could carry those dark things with you. Yes. Okay. Yes. And All right. Thank you so I, much. I, 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 I don't want to focus on that, but rather focus on the fact that we're all beautiful and alive and that we have the power to change those dark things. They're not black. For sure. They're not black holes. For sure. They can be changed. And I life, just wanna, you know. and life is too short to hold on to them. Um, Jill. <clears throat> Thanks, Susie. Um, yeah, I think just you know, you said just at the end here that we have the the power to kind of create change to influence the energies around us. Um. And so it's choice. So sounds simple. Maybe it is simple and we complicate it, but that's what I'll take away today. Um, I'll pass it to Kelsey. Thank you. Um, I think discussions like this help me deepen my understanding of just how interconnected we are to this world and how we truly can have a positive, a really powerful positive impact 
by just working on ourselves and our thoughts. Um, and I'm definitely going to be thinking about the angels that I create and not doing anything half-hearted has a whole new meaning now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to pass to Marianne. Marianne, you're muted. So sorry. Uh, something I really loved uh, when you said that we gather with uh, with the ancestor, and that death is not mentioned in the Torah. And I just think uh, I thought about uh, the Iliad of Homer, where when there is so many just dead, so dead soldiers, and every time it said they go to the ancestors. So there is uh, something incredible between the Torah and the uh, uh, and and Omer. So it's just so universal this bridge. So um, uh, I I think it was amazing. No, so uh, this is, was uh, my nugget. I'm just talking about the bridge between uh, culture and between religion and text. That's what I mean. So I'm going to pass it to Alessandra, if you if you please. Thank you, Marianne. I, I always go back to connecting most of everything to aligning your speech, your thoughts, and your action. Uh, and obviously, if we have a positive bias in everything we think, say, and the way we act, surely we will manage to create those positive energies around us. And and I, I see it in my in my day to day, I'm not always successful because I'm human, uh, and uh, and I see that when I'm consciously aligning the three garments, my quality of life is dramatically improved. Uh, Cheryl, thank you, Alessandra. I have three things. One has to do with what you first said, Rabbi, in stage six, that some of you will be comforted, and I was. I have encountering loved ones as their ethereal entities or angelic figures, and I don't want to die tomorrow, don't get me wrong, but I'm very comforted by the fact that my loved ones who have passed on will be there to greet me. Um, the other thing I had to say had to do with you, Jill, and this was from last year when we first started this class about the good angels and the bad, not bad angels, but the energy and how Rabbi had told us that the more good you do, you can erase for every good thing, you can erase some of the bad things and surround yourself. But I remember this conversation before. Does that sound familiar at all? You said, oh, I want an army. Yeah. I said, I want an <laughs> army of, of good angels around me. I just, well, remember that? sounds familiar. I, I, I don't remember the specifics, but uh, okay. it all sounds familiar. I know we've touched on this before. Okay. And Rabbi, one question for you had to do with, um, you said angels are divested from the material world and that everything we do, good or bad, or, is, is recorded. Our thoughts 
a recorded. Is that the same as, or is it the Akashic records? I, I'm not sure. I can look into it. Good question. Okay. Good enough. Those are all my thoughts. Great class. I love the input from everybody today. It was wonderful. Tommy, we haven't heard from you today. Are you there? Uh, hello. Yes, I'm here. So, uh, so for, uh, I, I, I will... Uh, since I have like the Tunisian connection here, so I I feel uh, so so like Alexandra like want to still fight uh, like uh, <laughs> in the sky. So uh, to maybe to answer the second question, uh, I mean since I'm from the other side, but um, so the Torah said if anyone wants to kill you, you stand up and kill him. So if somebody threatened to do harm to you, it's on your right to defend yourself. So and it's called IDF. It's not like uh, uh, ADF attacking the, the, you know what I mean? So uh, uh, on, I'm surprised here uh, like, uh, regarding on today, because I was enjoying this, like, this uh, period of the year a lot, because like, uh, so I was watching, I was studying the Rebbe this, uh, I mean, and like, uh, you can watch the video like on YouTube, there is like a, a beautiful, gorgeous woman, like he comes to him and she told him, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a beauty uh, contestant in Israel and I want to get married. So please give me a bracha. So he gave, him the, he gave her like the, the bracha. And then after he said, you know what? He cited one one thing from the proverbs, which says that beauty is uh, beauty. I have it here. Beauty, beauty vanish, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So, so, and then they asked the rabbi, the rabbi, how? What do you? How can you understand this? Uh, I mean, this citation. He said, you know. A Jewish woman, by her grace, by her like manners, she can guide her family and to the mitzvot and to serve God better. And by luck, we are in Purim. Who saved the Jewish people? It's it's a woman. Like and just like by talking to the king with grace. I mean, and I mean, like he told him, like let's let's prepare. Like I mean. Uh, meal and talk she saved the whole nation no need to fight no need like to be uh... so i so i uh, i'm enjoying purim and i i am I'm, I'm having the the best cookies ever i mean i'm <laughs> and uh, yeah so it's it's exactly this period of time is like if you want to influence especially women it's by her grace and by her manner she can like change the whole planet we need the, I mean, we need the masculine aggression to be tampered by yes. exposure to the feminine. Yeah, I mean that I is mean, very yeah, Kabbalistic. I, that it's the feminine. The feminine is the is the peacemaker. We all have masculine and feminine within us, but the feminine energy is the peacemaker, and the masculine energy is more aggressive. And so they have mm. to be tapped, tampered by that feminine energy. Thank you. By the way, when we. After Moshe got the Torah, he, he 
I think he taught it first to uh, to woman, right? So woman first. Yeah, I think Chava is the only one left. If I remember, by I'm correct. She said she stepped out for a minute. Oh, okay, she stepped out for a minute. But okay. but Rabbi, you know, a, a positive masculine energy can create so much positive feminine energy well, in a woman. It's it's the it's the masculine tapping into the feminine energy because we both we all have both. And if the masculine doesn't do his side, then the woman has to get the masculine energy out as well. Whereas if a man being positively masculine towards a woman will generate so much more feminine energy in her. Yes, correct. This has been fantastic. To be continued. We'll do it again next week. Same time, same channel. Thank you. I'll wake up for you. I'll be in Mexico in, on the Pacific side. So I'll be okay. up and about at 6 a.m. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Have Looking a good, forward. good day, everybody. Good day. Good day. Have a great day. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode.